Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. your host, Dr. Kazumba. Shalom and welcome to Unstoppable Faith. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Kazumba Charles. Thank you so very much for joining us once again this week. As usual, we have another special guest and you will be blessed by this program. Wherever you may be watching or listening on radio, we just say thank you for joining us. On today's program, I have a very special guest, very influential, very funny person. Oh my goodness, you're going to have some joy today. Annie Downs. She is a New York Times bestselling author, sought after speaker, and successful podcast host based in Nashville, Tennessee. Annie is a founder of the Sounds Fun Network, which includes a flagship show, That Sounds Fun. And she's also the author of multiple best-selling books. Stay tuned and we will be right back. Didn't mean to become an expert on fun. I didn't mean to, but I don't mind it. If I'm gonna be known for one thing on this planet, I kind of like being known for fun. Here's the thing, I lived my whole life not realizing other people don't think about fun as much as I do. Once the podcast launched, aptly titled, That Sounds Fun, I started asking people what sounds fun to them and my eyes were opened. See, we tend to prioritize other things, the responsible things, the sensible things. We undervalue and downplay the power of fun, the place fun ought to have in our lives. We don't prioritize the fun things, the simple things. Even when it's hard, and even when you don't get what you want, and even when you're disappointed, finding fun changes things. Fun is a medicine for a sickness we all have. And it's not just for people with my personality type, and it doesn't look the same for everyone. There isn't one certain way to have fun. Your fun is not less fun than someone else's fun. Searching for fun doesn't mean you're not responsible, and valuing fun doesn't mean you're not grown up. It just means that you realize there is something we've lost and you're willing to go look for it. So join me on the journey to search for what we've all been trying to find, to discover or maybe rediscover something that makes you stop and say, oh, that sounds fun. Annie, welcome on this program. Oh, Dr. Charles, thank you so much for having me. I, this is going to be fun for me. It's going to be fun for me. I am, I am just so excited. 
Me too. I can't wait. I think you and I, I was just saying to you, I think you and I are a trouble pair. I don't think the world's ready for us. I, you know what? I think uh, KITV is ready to okay. send uh, two crazy people like you and I into the world to just make people laugh for the joy of the Lord is all we need. That's right. That's exactly right. I say a lot when people fall in love with the people of God, they will fall in love with God. And so the more fun, the more friends we get to make, the more friends we get to send toward God as well. I was, I was reading your book last night and uh, I fall in love with it. Uh, I was so happy. And uh, uh, one thing I took away from the book was uh, actually uh, rediscovering fun. That's, that's, that was my personal take. Thank you for starters for reading it. That's really kind. Yeah, I mean, that, that really is the center of the work I'm doing right now. And I used to feel a lot of shame about it, Dr. Charles. I think like, why do I still want to have so much fun? Why do I want to talk about fun so much? Did everyone else grow up except me? Like I used to worry that I was the Peter Pan of our friend group. And, and then the Lord just really started reminding me like the body has a lot of parts. And, and the body of Christ needs to have a lot of parts. And some of us need to be blowing the trumpet, reminding our friends that there is joy in our world, even on the worst days, even when there's a lot of injustice, even when there's trouble, even when there's a pandemic, can we still find fun, the good godly kind of fun, even when the world doesn't look the way we want it to? Oh, that is awesome. And that's what your show is all about now. On your show, you talk about fun, and uh, now and, uh, you have released the book, uh, That Sounds Fun. The title is That Sounds Fun. I have this funny question. Uh, uh, when I was preparing this question, my team was like, uh, That's, that question doesn't make sense, but I know it will make sense to you. So what sounds fun to you? Oh, thank you for asking. I love when people ask. Um, you know, at the end of every episode of our podcast, I ask that to my guests. I say, because the show's called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. And also, you'll see in the book, Dr. Charles, that all throughout are the, is this very tiny script because we had thousands of our friends answer that exact question. What sounds fun to you? And I just put them all in the book. It's so great. So what sounds fun to me today? Well, this is very fun for me today so this is great um the sun is shining in nashville and i have coffee this afternoon with my mentor and we will sit outside and sit and talk and it sounds really fun to me to have a couple of minutes with someone i really respect getting to sit outside in the beautiful weather that sounds fun to me uh, tell me about uh, this concept of uh, finding joy in being an amateur Oh, I'm dealing with it today, Dr. Charles. I literally woke up this morning and I did something new yesterday that I'd never done before. I got to do an interview unlike any I'd ever done before. And I woke up this morning and I was feeling so embarrassed. I was like, I don't think I did this right. I don't think that I did that right. And I was like, wait a minute, we're supposed to be good and we're not supposed to be good at doing things we've never done before. When there's so much joy in trying something new and being an amateur and being brand new at something. And so I shifted my thinking this morning and I thought, man, what's great about that new experience? Even if you didn't do it perfectly, even if you don't feel great about every second of it, what's great about that new experience? That's the problem is we've lost the ability to invite each other and even ourselves into like 
Yes, try something new. You don't have to be perfect at it. Being an amateur is not, uh, it's not a negative tone. For some reason, that word has gotten such a negative connotation. But the reality is, we don't know how to do very much at all. The only thing I'm professional at is my job. And even like I said, parts of my job are brand new for me. Everything else I do, I'm an amateur. So what if we just started letting each other try new things, try new recipes, try new sports, try new conversations, new relationships? How, what if we just let each other be new at something? It is so much more fun. We'll have a lot more courage to try new things if we know that we will allow ourselves and the people around us to be amateurs at it. That is so good. I don't, I, I don't think uh, I would have been here without being an amateur. So that is a powerful concept because many people, you know, they, they are scared to venture out into something new. They think they have to have uh, everything all together. I don't think you and I would, would be doing what we do, inspiring people, if we did not just uh, do. You know, some of the people here, they laugh at me. I always try something new. And I'm not ashamed when I fail. Actually, I delight in failing because when I fail, then I learn something that I shouldn't have done. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maybe, maybe you learn a sport that maybe you shouldn't have picked up in the first place. But you're right. Yes. Everything we do the best now, we only are good at it now because there was a time when we let ourselves try. And yes. so we've got, and that's what I even had to say to myself this morning, Dr. Charles, is go like, hey, Annie, it's okay that that was your first time ever doing that. Next time, here's what you'll do different and better. And if you never start, you never get better at it. And so even in our faith life, like if we're embarrassed that we don't know a Bible story, well, if you won't ever tell anybody to help you or get invitation, you won't grow in your faith if you won't admit that you don't know everything. Yes, and that's true, and that's true, you know. So uh, uh, this is interesting. I, I, I love this already. Now, let's switch a little bit of some gears here. You share a little bit about uh, falling in love. Talk to us about the power of falling in love. Yes, yeah, so I'm not married yet. So everyone thought when the book came out that I was making a big announcement. <laughs> not exactly <laughs> true. Not exactly true. You know, the power of falling in love is really about this idea that when we love other people or when we love things, hobbies or sports teams or our, our church or anything, our, our favorite restaurant, when we really love something, it's really vulnerable because what you're admitting to everyone around you and to yourself is this thing matters enough to me that it could hurt. And, and so there's so much power in loving that deeply and in being that vulnerable and in saying like, I don't know what you're going to think about this, but I'm going to tell you what I love. I'm going to tell you that I love cross stitching. I'm going to tell you that I love soccer. I'm going to tell you that I love the French horn. All these things, and the question we're often asking, Dr. Charles, you know this as well as I do, is often we're saying, if people really knew, would they still love me? Let me go to this question here. You also talk about the importance of having a hobby. Uh, for me personally, this is powerful. Could you explain that to us, the importance of having a hobby in life? Yeah, hobbies matter so much, I think. You know, it's... It, the problem is so many of us spend so much of our time working on this kind of stuff. We go to our jobs, we take care of other people, we're doing our chores, we're being financially responsible, we're doing all the things adults are supposed to do, and that's great. 
But, but as technology has advanced, as the world is 24 hours a day around the globe, and we can connect at any time, we don't rest well anymore. And we don't separate from technology well, and we don't separate from our jobs very well. And so I think one of the things we've lost in that is hobbies, is doing these things that are just for fun, that are just good for our hearts and our minds and our bodies. I have a pastor friend that says, if you Sabbath, sorry, if you work with your mind, Sabbath or rest with your hands. And if you work with your hands, Sabbath or rest with your mind. And so for, for me, this is my job. I talk all the time, Dr. Charles, as you know, and I write. And so I'm using my brain a lot. And so for when I am resting, when I'm doing hobbies, there are things I do with my hands. So whether it's cooking or gardening or doing a puzzle or doing cross stitch, I am making something with my hands and that it's helping me to rest. Those are good hobbies for me. But then I think of people who are professional athletes or who work at farms or in gardens, full-time surgeons or doctors who are doing surgeries with their hands, uh, men and women who work with children all the time that are always at a nursery helping. They're working all the time with their hands, so their hobbies and the way they want to rest may be more about doing stuff with their minds, like reading or listening to music or doing a crossword puzzle. There's a lot of things like that that I think will help people to have hobbies. We need that. We need that connection. And a lot of times people think, well, I, I, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Facebook. But I'm sorry to tell you, scrolling is not a hobby. Scrolling is not a hobby. <laughs> and so we can't just use that as our hobby. We've got to have something that separates us from technology, that separates us from the work that we do. And, and, and it takes, takes practice and takes some real discipline to carve out that time. Because when we get to a Saturday, you can either go, man, I have so many chores I have to do. I'm going to work all day. Or you can go, man, because I know I need to rest and because I want to practice my hobbies, like playing outside or playing with friends or playing board games, going on a bike ride, any of that kind of thing, dancing, singing, playing an instrument, all of that, if you haven't planned ahead and made space, it's really hard to have fun when you have all your responsibilities that you haven't made space in the middle of for a hobby. As you're sharing on that, I want to go to this other question because it fits the moment. How often do we call escapism fun? Oh, yeah. Listen, we're going to talk about this, Dr. Charles, because escapism and fun sometimes look just alike. You know, you plan a trip to Disney World and we don't know, are you going there for fun or are you trying to escape something in your life? Or if you decide that you're going to learn a new instrument, and so you spend a lot of time practicing it, are you practicing it because it's a good hobby or are you trying to run from something? So here's kind of the filter, a little bit of a quiz you can ask yourself as you're trying to figure out, am I running from my problems and just trying to fill some space so I don't have to feel my feelings, so that I don't have to face what is hard? Or am I genuinely having fun and having a hobby? So here's the question. If you're listening to yourself, talk about your life. Are you saying things like, um, if only I could go on a trip, if only 
it was July and we could go to the lake. If only I could go home from work early today. If only I had time. If you're using a lot of if only language, you're probably leaning toward escapism because what you're saying is I really want out of this. I want out of this. Now, if you say that one time, of course, but I'm thinking if, if over and over again, your language is, if only I could do the thing I really wish I could do, you're probably trying to escape. The language of fun, the language of genuine fun is, I can't wait to. Oh, I cannot wait to go to Paris once we can fly again. I cannot wait to go visit some friends that live in other cities. I cannot wait to go to my favorite restaurants. I cannot wait to work on this puzzle that's at my house. I cannot wait language is language of genuine fun because you're just going, I'm looking forward to what's next. It doesn't mean you're trying to run from the life you're living right now. If your language is, if only I could, what I'm hearing you say is, I would give anything to escape this current moment. And so that's really for me how I separate. Now, sometimes when I'm saying, if only I could, and that opportunity arises, I'm still gonna take it. Because sometimes escaping is okay. It's when you live a life of escapism that that's a real problem. Or if you live in a long season of it, you can't go to the movie theater every single day to stop feeling sad. <laughs> you can go once and then you probably need to tell somebody, invite some people in. So to me, that's a great way to distinguish. Am I trying to run for my pain and escape? Or am I just genuinely excited about the fun that's in my life? Why do you think uh, most Christians don't have time for fun or they don't know what kind of fun to have? I just wanted to throw this in uh, uh, out of your observation. Uh, I feel like uh, Christians, you know, they think uh, having fun, they, they think the world is more fun by, you know, doing the worldly stuff. But uh, what do you think, why do we find it difficult to have the good kind of fun you are, you are explaining or describing here? Well, I mean, I don't know how you grew up, Dr. Charles, but I grew up in the church and for a long time, they listed off all the things we weren't allowed to do. And all those things sounded very fun to me, right? So, so of course, the, everything the world offers is beautiful and fun. I mean, sin wouldn't be attractive if sin wasn't attractive, right? So, of course, we kind of like some of that stuff. And I think the problem is we've equated that word fun with always with escapism or with sinful behavior or with things that we are invited to do that, that are actually not really good for us. And, and a lot of times I think Christians are trying to work really hard to, and I am too, I think everyone is, no matter what you believe, you wanna be the best version of you that you can be. And, and a lot of times we think, well, then I shouldn't have fun. I should be more responsible. I should pay more attention. I should read more serious books. I should uh, balance my checkbook again. You know, like we think the only way to be a healthy adult is to remove fun. But actually, Dr. Charles, I would say that just like you make space to sleep every night or most nights, just like you make space to sleep, just like you always make space to eat, you often probably hopefully make space for exercise, you make space for your job, you put all these things in your life on a daily basis that makes sure you're as healthy as you want to be. That's why we go to church. That's why we are invested in our small groups and our communities is we wanna be healthy people. I actually think making space for fun and making space for rest needs to fit into that list of healthy rhythms you have in your life.
And that's that's just uh, I I know there is a friend of mine watching this program. He's he's so excited we're talking about this because uh, this is some of the things he asked me one time a question, Doctor Charles. Why is it that when you go into the church, everybody is just up serious? That's the other thing, Doctor Charles. Is like when people see you having fun, when they see you laughing, no matter whether they believe everything you believe or not, they know you're human. Yes. Right? Yeah, they know you're an actual person. And then yes. because we know everyone we see on a stage, whether they're leading us in worship or teaching us, we know they make mistakes and we know they're not perfect. But if they present themselves like they are, we don't believe them. We don't believe them that they're, they think. And then you go like, well, can I believe anything they say? But then they see you and me and they're like, oh, we know they mess up, but they're pretty fun to be around. I bet. And so then they believe us when we tell them the truth of who Jesus is. He said, stick with me. It won't be true. Stick with I, me. <laughs> I, I, I tell him, I said, hey, you want to hang out with some good crazy? Some good crazies right here. <laughs> That's right. That should be my new subtitle. Good crazy. The good kind yeah. of crazy. <laughs> now, let's, my, my sister, I'm getting too excited here. In your book, you mentioned that living by faith uh, isn't always fun. Can you share with us about that too? Yeah, I think that's super important for people to hear. Friends like you and me have the conversation. They go, yeah, I know they're fun. Does anything ever hurt for them? Is life easy for them? And that's why they can talk so easily about fun. And, it, and it's just not. I mean, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. Yes. And I don't know why I didn't believe him the first half of my life. <laughs> I kept being surprised when I had troubles. And then I was like, well, I believe Jesus about everything else. Why didn't I believe him about that? And the beautiful thing about that scripture is then he says, but take heart yes. for I have overcome the world. And so to me there, of course, we all have struggles. None of us have everything that we want. And that's a, that is a problem for a lot of people. We pray and ask God for things and we don't get them like we thought we would. And, and humans are wanters. We ate breakfast. We want lunch. We eat lunch. We want dinner. We're just never satisfied. When we get the thing we've been praying for, we'll be grateful for about a day. And then we're going to start asking for something else. It's just the way we're built. And that's okay. But on top of the wanting, there's the tragedies. There's the disappointments. There's the pains. There's the losses, there's the sadness, all that exists for all of us. And living a life of faith means saying, in one hand, I recognize that I, there are things that I want that I do not have and life has not turned out like I thought it would. And on the other hand, I like to remind myself that, that while I don't have everything I want, God has given me far more than I deserve. And my life has not turned out the way I thought it would. It is so much brighter and bigger and more beautiful. And I still feel some losses in that because I don't have everything I want. And I've had to deal with tragedies too. But what, what keeps being true is that God is good and he is kind. And if we will believe his word, then we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. If you're just joining us here on Unstoppable Faith, I have my very good friend and wonderful sister, Honey Downs, author of That Sounds Fun. We need some fun in the church. We need some fun in our Christian walk. We need to have fun to enjoy this Jesus. Yes, everything that she's explaining is not all rosy. But you know what? If you remember what God has done and what he continues to do, you can have some fun. My sister, let me go to this other question here. Uh, talk to us about unstoppable faith moment in your life. 
Oh gosh, I I'm I've been excited to talk to you about this because I think that you know faith is hard to come by. Faith isn't easy. When people tell you to have faith or to choose faith, it, it is not easy. But once you tie yourself to that train, it is unstoppable. And so to me, when I've seen God show up for me like that, the unstoppable faith moment was when I, I moved to Nashville. I grew up in Atlanta. It's about three hours away. And, and the invitation to move to Nashville from God was not, like, was not a job. It was not a spouse. It was will you pick up your life and move? Will you believe that I see what you don't see? And gosh, Dr. Charles, I just remember the Sunday before I moved, I won't bore you with the whole story of the weeping and gnashing of teeth it took to get me to move. <laughs> but I just said, the Lord just made it really clear that it was time to move to a new city. And the Sunday before I had already moved a load of my things here. I had already paid my deposit on the first month's rent at the place I was going to live. And I went up to the altar at church on Sunday and I said, okay, where's the ram? Like I was willing. I'm like a, uh, Abraham and Isaac, right? Like I was willing, trade out my Isaac for the ram. Let me stay here. Yes. And so clearly, Dr. Charles, in, in one of the most profound moments of my faith and my whole faith life, the Lord said, Nashville is the greatest gift I've ever given you. Wow. And I was like, I, I mean, I, I said, I do not know how that is true. But if that is true, I will believe you. Wow. And it took, I mean, it took, I've been here 13 years and it probably took four years before I believed him. But I acted like I believed him before wow. I believed him. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I moved here and I lived here and I invested here. But I will tell you today, Nashville is the greatest gift God has ever given me. And wow. so when I hear an invitation like that again, which I'm living in the middle of a couple of them right now where God goes, Will you trust that I know more than you know? Yes. And will you walk in a, and will you walk down a path that is not what you thought it was going to be? And I, I mean, I said it to him this weekend, Dr. Charles. I said, okay, Lord, I do not know how this is the best story you want to tell with my life. But if this is you and this is true, I have seen you show up for me before. You will do it again. You will wow. do it again. And so I'm, I've lived some unstoppable faith moments and I'm right in the middle of one right now. <laughs> Now let's let's why 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 did you decide to write a book based on your popular podcast? Well, the thing that's been happening, Dr. Charles, like I told you at the end of every episode, I ask my guests, tell me what sounds fun to you. And they started giving me these answers. We are in we've got maybe five hundred episodes or so done, and we were getting all these different answers, and most times People started with things like this. I don't know if this is going to sound fun to you or this is kind of embarrassing, but I want to tell you what, I, what sounds fun to me. And I thought, why is shame connected to fun at all? Why is everyone wrestling down some shame? And, and so then I really started researching it, looking into my friends' lives, looking into scripture. Because let me tell you, oh, Dr. Charles, Jesus was fun. Let me tell you how we know. Yes. He goes, they, he's at dinner parties all the time. I mean, all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see people inviting him to dinner parties. He goes to weddings and kids love being around him. Kids don't like being around people who aren't fun. So yes. Jesus was fun. So as I started researching this, I went like, you know what? There's more to this story than what I'm able to cover in a one hour podcast. And also, and you know this too, but when 
when we write memoirs, when we tell our stories, you know, I'm, I'm live with you in person right now. And there's always things going on in other levels of our lives. Yes. And what happens in books is I get to say to my friends, as they read this book, I get to say, Hey, remember when you heard that podcast episode, here's what was going on behind the scenes that made me ask that particular question. Yes. So it's a little bit of a behind the scenes of what is happening here for us, but also I am just as sure as I'm sitting here that, that God has a plan for us when it comes to finding joy in the lives we have right now. Amen. It's biblical to have some joy. It's biblical to walk in joy. Actually, the Bible encourages us. Not only does it encourage us, it gives us a command. If you read the context of that scripture in Psalms, it says, uh, rejoice. And I say it again, rejoice. Now, my sister, where can the people get a copy of this book? So that sounds fun. The book is available wherever you love to buy books, your local bookstore. You can go online to any of your favorite retailers. It is all there. And the podcast, that sounds fun, releases on Mondays and Thursdays. So you can go listen wherever you love to listen to podcasts. And about uh, those people who are saying, uh, I want to get some joy. I just want to connect with you on social media. How would they do that? What are your social medias and those? Yes, good. We will be there for them. It's embarrassingly easy to find me. It's Annie F. Downs, F as in fun, Annie F. Downs everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. That's all the places you can find me is Annie F. Downs. And you can see it on the screen there. It has been such an honor and a blessing to have you on this program, my sister. Oh, thank you, Dr. Charles. Wait, do we have time for me to ask you what sounds fun to you? Oh, that's good. No, we can. We have time. We have time. What sounds funny to me is uh, having a person who understands what life is all about. Jesus did not give us a religion that we should feel ashamed of opening up and being ourselves. He did not create us outside our personality or character. There are people who joke or laugh outside the church, but God says, no, no, you got to be you. There's just something so beautiful about being you. You know, you just rejoice, you are happy. So what sounds fun to me? What sounds fun to me is that I have found a Annie F. Darwin's (laughs) who is so funny in life, such that she understands what joy and the joy that we need for church. So today, as you ask me, this is so funny to have you on this program. Fun for me too. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Charles. Your ministry is incredibly important. I'm grateful to be a part of it today. And you're going to be back on this program. Trust me, I want you to come back because that that is a unique anointing that you have. Thank you. Thank you. I will be back whenever you need me. We will. And to our viewers, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you. I trust and pray that this program has brought some light and life into your life today. God bless you. Until then, shalom, shalom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at and share your testimony.